Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. What up, Bible people? I tried to change my intonation on that one a little bit. I, it was the same, bro. No, it, it was, was a little bit same. different. Uh, it was, no, I stayed up. I didn't drop as much. Okay. So okay, I'll give you that. A little bit of up. Th- that's what I said. I ch- changed my intonation, uh, right? I wasn't very discernible, though. Well, <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, happy Tuesday. It's a- Happy Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Tuesday's like being a sophomore, right? Because- guess monday is like being a freshman like nobody likes monday and then wednesday it's like oh man i'm, I'm almost to the end right and thursday you're kind of riding the tails of a friday friday is like being a senior you're like i'm out i'm done with the week but tuesday it's like being a, like nobody cares about a sophomore which if you're a sophomore on there out there look we've all been sophomores <laughs> we don't like you we we know i love tuesdays do you i do i feel refreshed i'm re- cool because our day off i mean guess full disclosure for those who are listening our day off is, is monday right when we come in on Tuesday, I feel refreshed. I'm excited about the week. I love Tuesdays. Okay. I stand corrected then. Pastor Rod loves Tuesdays. I do. Hey, we just got another registration for our Epic Challenge Summer Camp that just wow. came through. So, hey, there's that real time. Even though it's technically happening right now? It's happening. Right. Even as this right. podcast comes out. Right. Because we don't record these early or anything. We do not. No. This is all happening live. Live. Real time. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, we are in the book of Psalms, but in Psalm 4, Psalm Psalms 5. Four, Psalms 5. Psalms 6. Psalm 6. Stop. Psalms. Stop. Yeah, I hate it. It's like nails down a chalkboard to me. Right. It's like when somebody says Revelations 5. <laughs> Turn to Revelations 5. Well, that one actually is titled Revelation. Yeah, so but. That's a mistake. But Well, is it though? Because isn't all of this a, a part of God's revelation? So isn't it all individual revelations that no, have see, been that delivered? That work. The, the I feel proper like that's what title. you were arguing the, yesterday. No, the proper title. It's a proper noun. The title is Revelation. Singular. Anyways, Psalm chapter four. Psalm. Psalms is the title. Psalm chapter four. They don't yes, want to hear this. They don't want to hear this. The book is Psalms. Anyways, this is a little glimpse in our relationship. They know that you're wrong. They just want you to accept it graciously. Listen. Listen. Listen, Linda. Listen. Listen, Linda. Listen. All right. (laughs) Chapter four. We get another superscription here, but not giving the the historical situation as much as just the author. It's a Psalm of David in Psalm chapter four. And as we get through here, it's it's another lament. You get the lament in verses two and and three, although chapter three or verse three, you've got the the confidence that he's expressing there as well. Um, He he has some petition in here and then he ends in praise. And so that's kind of the the organizational breakdown there. But he's lamenting um, his leadership being questioned by the... The, the people under his charge. And specifically, it says there, how long, oh, men, shall you do this? These would have been men of, of high standing, men of, of good repute, men of, uh, of, of, of honor that are, are challenging David's leadership. And as it goes on here, we find out later on that it seems, it says here in verse seven, you have put more joy in my heart than is what the ESV says when they have their grain and wine abound. Now, that's an interesting concept because the word there translated than is actually the the word in the Hebrew, which the majority of the time, in fact, every other time in the book of Psalms is translated in or when. 
And so th- to make it comparative rather than than locative here, or locative here is is an interesting move by the editors here of the ESV because it, it could read you have put more joy in my heart when. Uh, the the grain and the wine abound, which would give us some understanding into what's going on here, because it seems what's going on here in Psalm chapter four, potentially at least, is that there's a famine in the land, and the people are rising up against David because they're they're recognizing that that they're not getting the food that they need, they're not getting the rain that they need, that they're mm-hmm. they're suffering. And at this point in time in history, the king was responsible for the agricultural well being of the people. So when there was a drought or a famine, man, that reflected on the king and his leadership because the the people would think, well. The king must be at odds with the God, whether or not that was the God of Israel or in other nations, the God that those nations serve. Right. And so it's it's possible here that that this is a period of time in David's life where his leadership is being questioned because Israel is in a famine and and David is petitioning, saying, bring the joy that happens when there's a full harvest. Mm. I really enjoyed verse eight uh, of that psalm. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Sometimes one of the godliest things a godly man or woman can do is sleep, trusting that God will provide and God will do what's ultimately good in his plans and purposes. Uh, Psalm 127, we'll get there eventually, 127. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Therefore, one of the things that we should constantly strive to do is to rest and to rest comfortably in the presence and the provision of the Lord. Mm. Verse four, uh, it says, be angry and do not sin. Mm. Now, I've seen that before. You've seen that before because the apostle Paul has has quoted that in uh, Ephesians. Here though, it's a word that that elsewhere, again, in the book of Psalms is not translated angry, but it's translated fear. It's translated tremble. Mm. Uh, if, In fact, if you look down in, in the ESV, the footnote there says, or be agitated, that comes from that concept of, of trembling in fear, right? Mm. And and if this is a context where, where David is confronting through this Psalm, his enemies that are rising up against him, he's challenging them saying, you need to fear God and not sin and, and ponder in your, your hearts on your beds and be silent. You need to be right before God. You need to, verse five, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Quit, in other words, quit rebelling against God. So I, I, I don't know that, that this is an invitation to them to be angry and do not sin, even though Paul grabs it and applies it that way in, mm-hmm. in Ephesians. Exactly that way. I, I do think he's got some, some license to do that in his apostolic role there, but I, I don't know that that's what David was trying to communicate here. There. So we go on to chapter five, then uh, we get another lament psalm. And so uh, this is a, a petition lament psalm, which just means that that he's balancing his lament with these petitions to the Lord and, and asking the Lord to act. And at the, the outset here, we get another superscription telling us this is a psalm of David. I think there's about 73 in the book of Psalms that we know of that are specifically attributed to David. We think there are more than that that David probably wrote, but these superscriptions, we think there's about 73 of them. But in chapter five, he is uh, he's uh, petitioning the Lord right off the bat here. He's asking him to hear his voice in the morning. Hear my voice in the morning. I prepare a sacrifice for you and I watch. And then his, his, his confident lament, he's confident in who God is. And yet he's kind of giving us a window into what he's facing right now. When he says, you don't delight in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before you. He talks about evildoers and people who speak lies, the bloodthirsty and the deceitful people. And he says, even though all of that is there, he's confident. And here's his confident petition, his plea for the Lord to act and deliver in verses seven and eight. Uh, Through the abundance of your steadfast love, I will enter your house. Lead me in righteousness. Make your way straight before me. And then his petition for God to judge those who are are wicked there. And then he ends with this call to praise. So 
it's kind of David evaluating the landscape of everything going on right now and saying, you know, here's, here's the, the bad and here's the good and here's my confidence in the Lord. I'm going to ask the Lord to move on our behalf here. Yeah. One of the things that stood out to me in verse three was his approach to the morning sacrifices. In the morning, uh, you hear my voice. He, he's praying. He's the front of the first things he's doing. He's giving time to the Lord. And then after he prepares the sacrifices, he's, he, he's kind of waiting. He's, he's sitting, standing. I wait for you. I watch. I think one of the things that can sometimes really disturb our, our time that we spend with the Lord is that sense of busyness. I have to rush through my Bible time. I have to get the things done before the kids mm. get up. Or I have to get it to work at a certain time. And I get that. We understand that too. Even as pastors, we have kids and we yep. have jobs that we have to get to. But man, don't don't rush through your time. Give it the time it needs. And, and I know for some of us, that's going to mean waking up earlier. Um, hopefully you can go to bed earlier to compensate for that loss. But Give yourself time, like David here. In the morning, hear, let, let the Lord hear your voice in prayer. And in the morning, uh, prepare your sacrifice of time and give the Lord time to operate on your heart as you prepare for the day. Yeah, yeah, super helpful advice. Chapter six, then you've got, again, a Psalm of David is the uh, superscription there. Uh, it's also according to the uh, Sheminith. What is the Sheminith, Pastor Rod? Uh, it's one of the bad guys in, in the Star Wars <laughs> universe. He works with Darth Vader and they... They do a lot of bad stuff. Yeah, you'll notice your footnote says probably a musical or liturgical term. And and that's that's a reminder that these are superscriptions that were there in the original text. It, it hasn't carried forward. We don't know what that was. We, we are, are making some assumptions there. It's kind of like the word Selah, which we'll find later on in the text, right? That's a, You'll see that in Psalms and, and, yeah. and we think it means a meditative pause. Could be that. Could but be the name of a kid. It could be the name of a kid. Yeah, a um, kid, Selah. We don't, we don't know. We, we don't, don't know, know what it means, but it's... It's, uh, it's cool. Yeah. Sounds fun. But in Psalm chapter six, you've got David who's, who's sick and sick. It seems like potentially under the, the disciplinary hand of God here, as it opens up, rebuke me, not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious instead. Heal me for my bones are troubled. Uh, my soul is also troubled in me. He prays for deliverance in verse four. Save me from my, my sickness. Verse six, I'm, I'm, I'm weary with my moaning. Here's the lament part of the lament psalm again. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. But then there's the confidence that he ends with. So this is not Job just laying it all out there and then just walking away going and and so there. Because <laughs> in verses eight, nine, and 10, he comes back and he says, but... He says, depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. He's not saying, where are you, God? Even though he doesn't have the the answer, he hasn't been delivered yet. He's got an abiding confidence that God has heard. So one of the things that confused me when I read the Bible way back ago is verses like verse five, for in death, there's no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? Mm. I used to read that and say, well, what? I, I thought, is, is David contradicting what scripture tells us? There is an afterlife. There is a heaven. There is a hell. Um, how do we understand the concept of Sheol and even verses like this that seem to go against what we know from the New Testament? Yeah, I think David's appealing for more time to do good for God here on earth. I think he's saying once once I go to Sheol, like I, I'm not here to, to, to proclaim your praise to the peoples around me. I'm not here to, to lead the nation in righteousness. I'm not mm-hmm. here to, to, to be godly and be your representative because I, I will have been silenced at that point. There's no remembrance of you in the sense that like, I'm not here to put your name in front of the people any longer. I think that's how I understand at least verse five. Yeah. And, and one of the things that we need to think about as we read through our Bibles is this concept of progressive revelation. God makes things more clear as the revelation goes on. So remember David here, we're looking at about 2000, uh, 1000 BC, 
when David's writing most of these. And their concept of the afterlife was pretty limited. So whether it is a hyperbolic way of saying or a poetic way of saying, look, if I die, God, who's going to be your witness here? That's very possible. And that's one of the ways that we approach texts like this. But there is a sense too of, okay, what's the concept of Sheol? It's the holding place for the dead. What's happening there? I don't think they really know. They're trying to describe how God has revealed to them at this point in time what the afterlife looks like. In death, there's no remembrance of you. It's probably a term that's referring to how life is happening here. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Pastor PJ. But don't let that confuse you. Um, just keep in mind, we're working through Revelation in a progressive sense. God makes things more clear as time goes on. In fact, if you want to get a better example of this, think about the fact that they didn't know who the Messiah was. They didn't know how he was going to show up and what he was going to do and when he was going to do it. Even the apostles before Jesus ascends, you're like, is now the time you're going to restore the kingdom? Right. They had no idea. Jesus says, no, not yet. Right. They had no clue or concept that Jesus was going to take another, we don't even know yet, thousand, two thousand years before he returned and that he would come back and restore his kingdom. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So helpful. Acts chapter 16, as we continue and finish up this chapter in our DBR today, uh, we continue with the story of Paul and Silas as they're there in Philippi and things are going well until... They start to not go so well because it's fun. We get this slave girl um, as they're going to the place of prayer. That's where they met Lydia previously. They're, they're going back there and they met, meet this slave girl this time who has a, a spirit of divination. Whoa. What on earth? So she, it appears is, is demon possessed because of what happens in the rest of the text in this description here. And, and I, I found something interesting in reading up on this. It's the word that was used also at the time for ventriloquism. Ventriloquism, oh. ventriloquy, ventriloquism, puppeteering, puppeteering and making, yeah, throwing your voice, that, yeah. but it's the same word that they would apply to that. So it's, it's applied here in the sense that the, the demonic spirit is using this, this girl, as this slave girl as a mouthpiece. Wow. So that's a, a helpful kind of picture of what's going on here with this demonic possession, that this is, she independent of her, her own faculties is being used by this demonic spirit to, to do what she's doing here. How does that compare or contrast to the Holy Spirit? It's 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 evil. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's books written. Like, the, 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 read the like. What do you, what do you what do you mean by that? Well, you, I'm saying you okay, have a thought on that. Uh, well, I was just trying to set you up to. Is the, does the Holy Spirit use us in that same way? Does oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, no, I'm following. I'm following. No, no, no. I mean, the Scripture's clear on what the Spirit does, and we've read some of that. The Spirit uh, calls to mind the teachings of Christ. The Spirit is there to uh, to convict us of sin. The Spirit moves within us, but but is not going to, to treat us and possess us this way and and use us as his mouthpiece in that sense. Thank you. That's yeah. all I was looking I, for. That was just was such just a broad, to, short I was question. It's like underhand pitching you, slow pitch over home base, what? waiting for you to knock it out of the ballpark. Well, yeah, but it's like, how is a demon different than the Holy Spirit? <laughs> it's like, ah. Okay. So, this, so people like this are real then, like the, the gal with the, with the crystal ball and the people that are doing crazy things and proclaiming future event. This stuff is real. It, there's a spectrum, right? I think there's a spectrum. I think there are the total shysters out there that are, are just really good at reading someone who sits across the table from them. And they, that's so con artists, right? Con artists. All right. And I think that's the majority of what you find out there. But I think as soon as we open ourselves up to that realm, we're opening ourselves up to a, a demonically influenced realm for sure. So there's, so there's clearly some, and even the fact what this girl says, I mean, this, this was interesting to me because this girl doesn't say something that the devil would say, at least you wouldn't think. She says, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaimed you the way of salvation. Right. That's, that fascinated me and stopped me in my tracks. And it, it led me to believe the enemy will use truth when advantageous to his cause. Right. To confuse, he'll use truth. Right. Which isn't that an interesting concept? 
but this is real. Be careful. Beware. Don't go visit these people. Don't try to challenge them. Don't. I, I would not even touch this with a 10-foot pole. Don't use a Ouija board. Don't do any of that. I used a Ouija board back in high school. Uh-oh. Do we Speaking need to have an exorcism? <laughs> no, no. I, I got my water. I, I Holy not. water right here. I'm going to just... <laughs> don't throw your coffee. I take the water over the coffee. Yeah, so in high school, I, we, we play... So I, I don't know if the Ouija board is real, bro. Let me just say that. I don't know. I've seen studies that show that what's happening on the Ouija board isn't actually what we think is happening. So I don't know. I'll just throw that out there. But when we used it, I asked the question, is this, is this board being controlled by demonic forces? And you know what it said? Yes. It said yes. And then I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm done then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't remember if it, I think it was my mom put the fear of God in me with Ouija board. She was like, don't you ever, ever, ever like I, I could. Yeah. Probably I, wise. Like, yeah. And so I, I, I never did, but. But yeah, the, she's crying these things. But remember the demons when they saw Jesus? Some of them said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Yeah. Even that, right? The Holy One of God was a messianic title. So even there, they were saying, Preaching I truth. know you're the Messiah. Yeah. In, in, and Jesus would silence them. Well, here, Paul gets annoyed, which is one of my favorite <laughs> my, one of my favorite things about Paul here. And he turns around and he, he, he casts the demon out of her. And it's like, well, why is this annoying? Isn't this true? And it's, it's true, but it would have been distracting and disruptive to what they were there to, to try to accomplish. And she was probably following, who knows how long, how many days. She's there. She's calling this out. She's crying this out over and over and over again. They're not able to do the work that they're there to do, which is to, to minister to people and proclaim the gospel to people. So Paul turns around and casts the demon out because he's got work to do. That angers her owners who uh, now are out of money because they've just got a regular girl now and, <laughs> and not a demon possessed girl. No help. Right. Uh, and, uh, and so they have them arrested and beaten. Second uh, Corinthians eleven twenty five. That's Paul's resume of suffering that I, I mentioned earlier. But in verse 25 specifically there, he talks about being beaten three times with rods. And I think this is obviously one of those uh, occurrences here where he and Silas are beaten with rods and then they're imprisoned. And, uh, and while in prison, probably because they are so beaten and bruised and, and broken and in and, and too much pain to be able to sleep they are instead saying well what can we do if we're not going to be able to sleep well let's pray and let's start singing and let's start worshiping god and that's what they do here and then there's this earthquake that comes and i, I thought i began to, to think about okay what is the earthquake's purpose why does the earthquake come mm-hmm. because is it to deliver paul and silas yes it because ultimately it leads to that is it to confirm the power of God over the authority of men? Yes. Yep. Because the Jewish authorities or the, the Roman authorities rather arrest them and put them in the inner prison. Like they're, they're trying to flex on them right, right. now. Right. So you like you're nowhere. never getting out of here. Yeah. So yes, it's to, to, to show that God is more powerful, but I think ultimately it's to save this jailer and his family hmm. because the earthquake happens, the doors are flung open and nobody leaves the prison and the jailer is saved as a result because he's, he comes in, he goes, what, what in the world would cause you guys to all stay here when you had the opportunity to leave, which would have cost me my life. Right. And he asks Paul the question, what must I do to be saved? And, and Paul talks to him and Paul preaches the gospel to him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you and your household. And, and so uh, interesting thing here, uh, some people point to this because the household is baptized. So some people will point to this and say, this is an example of where we support infant baptism. Mm A couple of of arguments against that. Number one, it's an argument for silence because we don't know the age of those in the household of the Philippian jailer right now. So to, to, to make the the leap to say that, that there were babies that were baptized there, I I don't think we can make that leap. Secondly, I think the thing that works against that is he says in verse 31, Paul says to the answer, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. So the offers for everybody, the offers for everybody, all of you need to believe. And then it says in verse 32, they spoke the word of the Lord to 
him and to all who were in his house. So what precedes baptism here is they're preaching the gospel. And I think what's implied here is that everybody in the house believed. responds in faith and repentance. They believe in them. They're baptized. Babies can't do that. Right. Babies can't do that. Verse 35, it's a uh, day the magistrate comes. There's a humorous example or a situation here where they're like, uh, why don't you let those guys go? And then they find out that they're Roman citizens and then there's the tail between their legs. And Paul's like, why don't you come get us actually? <laughs> it's kind of a, one of the few like flexes from Paul that I think Bring flowers right. if you're really serious about right. this. Why was that such a big deal? Because of, of Roman citizenship, they were, they were not pro they were not subject to the the punishment that they were dealt they uh, yeah. no trial been, yeah, right there's no trial there's there was nothing there it was That's illegal true. what they had done and uh, and that was a big deal and now paul was not going to press charges against them but he also wanted to to kind of flex on that moment and be like no you need to come and, and publicly acknowledge that what you did was wrong yeah verse 36 i was wondering if the jailer actually put them back in jail because he says in verse 36 the jailer reported these words of paul saying the magistrates have sent to let you go therefore come out now Go in peace. I, I was confused about yeah. whether or not the jailer kept him in his house and, and hosted them, or if he actually put them back in prison and says, "Here, here's what they're saying. Come on out now." Well, I also I, what I was wondering too is perhaps the jailer lived in the same proximity of the, the jail. Maybe he shared an, an abode with the oh, prison. Okay. That's an right? interesting thought. Yeah, um, because at this time they wouldn't have have had as as much real estate and things like that that we do. So it's not like right. they went down to the cor- county courthouse and the, there was a prison in the back and they put him in there. It's possible that this was this guy's house. And his family's right there too, which leads lends credence to why the family is involved right sense. away. Yeah, and so maybe they they just went back to the prison cells after that. Yeah, it could be because again, otherwise this jailer's dead, right? Right. Because that the Romans sense. are going to find out, hey, they're gone. You're going to die, which is why he was going to kill himself to begin with. Mm, good point. So, what's well, that's the conversion of the Philippian jailer? Super cool. Uh, and and here's what's awesome, so awesome about this is the jailer all of a sudden one day he sees here comes these two guys that are bloodied and beaten to a pulp and the the romans are saying hey you need to take good care of these guys we're going to put them in the inner stocks he's like okay whatever he's treating them like any other prisoners that he's got yeah. and then boom the next day he meets jesus christ for the first time and he gets saved because of these two guys super cool right i mean even more than that these uh, paul and silas this is not a small thing for them to get beaten and thrown in prison if you if you were not sensitive to what God was doing, you would look at that and say, "Well, God is judging me." I mean, God's ma- ma- you might start pulling out your hair like right, Joe, Joe. <laughs> the whole thing. But these guys don't see that. That what what confounds I think everybody is that they're they're singing. And and to your point, maybe it is because they're in pain. Whatever it is, it's midnight. They're singing and praying, and and it's also midnight that same hour of the night, verse thirty three, when the jailer washes their wounds and meets them where they are, and these people are baptized in the middle of the night. Right. This is a phenomenal event. So, I mean, I'm stoked by this whole encounter. I'm encouraged by Paul. I want to be as resilient and willing to suffer as he is. And man, what a, what a great thing it would be for our church to have that same mindset. Totally. So if I suffer to see someone saved, so be it. Totally. Totally. Well, Hey, we are grateful that you guys are are faithful to, to follow along with us and to uh, to read the Bible with us so faithfully week in and week out. And so we just pray that you have a, a great rest of your day and we will catch you again tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Bye, y'all. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Yeah.